0: Welcome to Preach the Word podcast. My name is Ashton MacDonald, and I am your host. Today's episode is a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad MacDonald on October 2nd of 2022. The scripture readings come from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, also Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. The sermon is titled, If God meant it for good, why did it hurt so bad? I cannot explain or give reason to why some things happen in life, but I must have faith that my God sees a bigger picture and has a greater plan for my life. If you listen closely today, you'll hear the burden in Pastor MacDonald's voice, and if you would have been there that Sunday morning to hear this sermon in person, you would have seen the tears that he had in his eyes as he preached to a hurting heart, and I believe that. This sermon and this episode can reach your hurting heart. So listen today as Pastor MacDonald shares his burden with us. About if God meant it for good, why did it hurt so bad? Thank you for listening. 1
1: Peter 1 and verse 3. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen ye love and whom though now ye see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. Will you turn quickly to chapter 4 of 1 Peter and would you look there at verse number 12. Beloved Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God of God. And if at first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing. As unto a faithful Creator. Romans chapter number 8. And from these lines, I'll try to draw a scripture text. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love god to them who are the called according to his purpose again please and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god if the Lord would stand by me I want to preach a message entitled if God meant it for good why did it hurt so bad do you remember when you were in your early years just just learning to put words together and make sentences mother or perhaps dad Someone said now I'm going to teach you this little prayer and this is what you say over the meal And you said something like God is great And God is good Let us thank him for our food and on and on Those two words great and good Those words define God. He is great. And because He is great, He's good. Are you grappling with that today? Do we sometimes quibble and quarrel over the greatness and the goodness of God? If God is great, and if God is good, why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much hurt in the world today? But apart from all of that and above all that, I still contend God is great and God is good. There is a word that underscores, there is a word that underlines those two words great and good. And they describe the complete essence of of God, and that word is holy. Now, when you think of the word holy, you immediately perhaps think of something being pure, something being untainted, something unmitigated, something unmixed, something that is sanctified. But the true root of the word holy is apartness or other than. And so, when the Hebrew text declares God to be holy, it is saying that God is that august, awing, awesome, awe inspiring, amazing other. He is God alone, and there's none like him. And he says, We are to be holy because he is holy. So when we look at the word holy, it simply says to us that God is that unlike. There's no one like God. And what God does cannot be divorced from who God is. And it goes back again to my little childhood prayer. God is great and God is good. His behavior is because of His being. Because God is great, what God does is good. The world would like to try to tell you that God is not involved in the affairs of man. That God cares nothing about the affairs of humanity. But may I say please that God is God. And he stands alone and he looks upon humanity and he cares about what you and I are going through. And because God is great, God is good. Now, come now, God and God alone is good. Remember that young man? Remember that young man running? Remember that young man, a ruler? Remember that young man kneeling? And he says, good master. And Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. You need to get that part. God is great. God is good. Not man is great or man is good. We've got that all wrong. It's God. It's God's that's great. And God is good. I want you to get a hold of that because there's something I need to tell you. We have this question that we put up before God. And because it seems as if it cannot be answered in the way that we want it to be answered, that that gives us leverage. That gives us somewhat a case against God. Because mankind says, If God is good... Why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? But the scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. Have you ever noted, And oh, by the way, Augustine, Augustine said, <coughs> God, deliver me from this lust to always vindicate myself. Does it sometimes seem to you that we spend all of our time wanting everyone to think how good we are? But God alone is good. Oh. And every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness. Our shadow of turning, I want to tell you, he's a good, good God, and he gives good things to his children. But if you'll allow me, please, I, I know some good people. I do. I know some good people. But the good people that I know do not spend their time trying to impress me or others of how good they are. Are you going to help me while I preach? You see, I worry about the man that always wants to try to make the obvious impress on others that he's good. He wants to spend his time trying to prop himself up, trying to make himself look taller, trying to make himself look better, make himself look bigger. Anybody going to help me while I preach? But God alone is good. And I know good people. I I know people with good qualities. But the goodness that they are is in that they don't spend their time trying to tell people how good they are. They just show their goodness. And so it is with God's greatness because of His being, because of His being great. We are the we benefit amen and we're blessed by his being and he gives us his good gifts I'm glad we serve a good good God I I know some good people and those good people don't spend their time talking about how good they are they're just good because of the type of people they are I spent 52 minutes on the phone yesterday when I, I signed off I looked 52 minutes I, he could have talked five hours. I'd have just said, Kathy, make me a pot of coffee. Because the man that talked to me for 52 minutes as a 19-year-old boy went to Vietnam, and he stayed three years. He told me something yesterday I hadn't heard before. He said, "Shad, when I got my papers and I knew that I was going to get shipped out, he said, I took my M1. He said that I had... Uh, cut the stock off of it, and put a pistol grip on it. He said, I took my M1, and he said, I rolled it up in my clothes, and I throwed it in the box, and he said, I don't know how it made it. He said, but my M1 got shipped from Vietnam all the way to Bedford, Indiana, and he still got that M1 today. Yeah. The man that talked to me for 52 minutes is a wonderful Christian. He called me back in 1992, and he said, Shad. I said, yes, sir. He said, this is Larry. He said, Benny said, call you and have you come preach. That was the first time I ever heard Larry Dalton's voice. And he and I have been inseparable since 1992, the closest of friends. And he don't call often. But when he calls, it seems like that my spirit is raptured into a sanctuary of goodness and grace. And we share scriptures and we visit and we talk and we reminisce. And From time to time we'll talk about revivals there at Bedford at the church that he pastored for 35 years and just different things. But you know the one thing I've never heard Larry do? I've never heard Larry complain. I've never heard Larry make a comment about the tens of thousands of dollars that I know that he has given to the Christian endeavor and the missionary cause, a man greatly blessed of God, I've never heard him complain about his wife that for 25 years now has been a stroke patient. And it's Larry that does the laundry. It's Larry that does the dishes. It's Larry that does the lawn. It's Larry that is Karen's caretaker. You're not hipping me while I preach. It's Larry amen that is the custodian and the keeper of the house and cooks the meals. Never one time does he complain. He's a good man and his goodness is because of who he is may I say friend that when the spirit of God is in you you can't help be good because God is good if I live to be a hundred I'll never forget the night I got that call that said they had found Nathan his baby boy in Dothan Alabama He was hanging red iron. He worked for the union. They're putting a big building up in Dothan. And they, they called Larry and said, We're sorry, Mr. Dalton, but we found your son dead this morning. 39 years old. Taken out of this world with a massive heart attack. Uh, Dennis called me and he said, I got you a ticket. And I flew to an Indianapolis. And, they, and someone picked me up and took me to Bedford for the funeral. And I'll never forget being there with Larry and Karen amen as we looked at Nathan right in the prime of his life a wife and four kids and, but never one time did Larry ever complain never one time did Larry ever grumble and I talked to him for 52 minutes last night and we signed off and I was a crowd and he was a crowd and we were rejoicing in the goodness of God I don't have all the answers of everything you're facing I don't have all the answers of everything you're going through but I know God is great and I know God is good and I know he's an on time God and if you'll just look to him he'll make a way for you I need the Lord to make me a preacher I want to talk to you about your your suffering and your sorrow and, and of course you can already agree That suffering is a guaranteed encounter. Suffering can be a gladdening experience. And suffering will have a glorious ending. Can you say amen? Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, imprisoned for his faith. He would not accept the order of Hitler. And for that he was incarcerated and imprisoned and then just a few months before he was executed by Hitler he said these words. Bonhoeffer said should it be ours to drink the cup of grieving even to the dregs of pain at thy command we will not falter thankfully receiving all that is given by his loving hand I remember reading about Ethel Her, and Ethel Her. she had a double mastectomy, and then two months later, they told her that cancer was terminal, and it would be fatal, and one of her friends said, how do you feel about God now? How do you feel about God now? And Ethel Hurst said, As I sought to explain how I felt, something happened in my spirit, and it became clearer and clearer to me that all through my ordeal, God had undergirded me in ways I had never known before. He had become increasingly real to me, In a more precious way than I had ever imagined. He gave me joy that I had never known. And he taught me to trust him. And he taught me to have faith in him. And I realize now she said that he had planned it. All the way step by step. And when the word came. That it was terminal and the last shoe had dropped. She said, I could not help but say, God is good. No matter the diagnosis or the prognosis. And no matter the fearfulness of the uncertainty that I faced. Nevertheless, the key to knowing God is good is simply knowing Him. (laughs) Preacher. Have you ever been let down? Yes, ma'am. Preacher, have you ever been knocked down? Yes, sir. Preacher, have you ever been hurt? I've been there. Have you ever been wounded? Know all about it. Have you ever had the props knocked out from under you? I bought the t-shirt. But in spite of all of that, I know God. And I know God is good. I know that he's my light in the dark. He, I know he's my way when I'm lost. He's everything that I need. He's an all Time God. Yes, He is. He woke me up this morning and He started me on my way. He's been good to me. He led me. He fed me. He's helped me. He's kept me. I'm glad He's an all time God. He is good. Amen. Oh, Suffering is a guaranteed encounter. And Peter warns us that we're. Not to think it strange concerning this fiery trial which is to try us. There's the purging of trial we feel. We think of love and we think, well, that means to do no harm. But what about if there has to be short-term pain for a redemptive purpose? Can that not be love? What makes a surgeon a good surgeon? (laughs) I think that he's a good surgeon when he goes in and he completes the operation that he has begun. (laughs) he's good when he's able if so be to get out all the cancer even if he has to disfigure and mar the visage his job is to rid the patient of all the cancer have you ever had a root canal I do believe the last time I had one, I almost broke those armrests, all 265 pounds of me. My back was arched up. It's amazing that something so little can cause so much pain. I thought he had rammed that little needle so far up it was going to come out my eyeball. Now, if you have a root canal here on that bottom jaw tooth, that's one thing. But what about if you have a root canal right here on that little eye tooth? That's a jackhammer that man's got there. But does he stop because he sees my grimace of pain? No. He can give me a little bit more of that Novocaine. Two before to the back of the head would have been just as good. Felt better. But he has to work at it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And oftentimes we say, Lord, if you love me, you wouldn't allow this to happen. But the truth of the matter is God is doing it for our greatest good. Priceless treasure we find. The trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perish. They told James Montgomery Boyce, what a preacher. James Montgomery Boyce, they told Brother Boyce, they said it's cancer and it's terminal. And immediately he began to write. And James Montgomery Boyce said, Should I pray for a miracle? He said, my impression is that God is able to do miracles. And he certainly can if he wants to. But he should, he could have. Listen to this. Montgomery Boyce said, but he could have kept me from having cancer to start with. Go there. Figure that. And he said, and by the way, you do agree miracles happen? But you do understand they do not always happen. Are you still going to stay with me while I preach? And he said, so do I pray for miracle? Or do I rather pray for the glory of God? <laughs> Hallelujah. When you think about God glorifying himself in history, and where in all of history God has been, has been glorified most, where God glorifies himself most, God is glorified most in the cross of His Son, Jesus Christ. If it was not for the cross, then man would not have been redeemed. God is in charge. And when things come into our lives, they are not accidental. It's not as if God is somewhere and He forgot what He'd done. And He forgot what was going on. And if God made a bad slip somewhere, no, God is in charge. And God is great. And because God is great, God is good. (laughs) And if somehow God allowed you to change things in your life, even if you changed it, you'd make it worse. It wouldn't be as good. (laughs) And so I'm here today. And I'm on my feet Because he picked me up off my back And when it seemed like I couldn't get up He come help me up And I stand before you today Saved, sanctified Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized And I've got the victory in spite of the devil And I want to shout it in the mouth of hell God is good
0: <laughs>
1: Woo! Woo! <laughs> On September the 11th, 2001, Lisa Beamer's husband Todd died on United Airlines Flight 93. After Lisa Beamer got the, got the word that her husband Todd had been killed, she said, "I can't see all the reason reasons why God allowed this to happen when I know He could have stopped it." And this is what Lisa Beamer said. I don't like how his plans look from my perspective right now. But knowing that he loves me and he can see my world from the start to the finish, that helps me say, it's okay. <laughs> One of my favorite poets is John Greenleaf Whittier. If you've ever read Maud Mueller, if you've not, you ought to read it. But nevertheless, in his poem, Eternal Goodness... John Greenleaf Whittier says, Yet in the maddening maze of things and storm-tossed amid wave and flood, to this my fixed trust and spirit clings. I know that God is good. (laughs) We ought to give Him a little praise because He's good. Suffering is a guaranteed encounter. Suffering is a can be and will be a gladdening experience, Peter said. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. And then he said, "Wherein greatly rejoice, even through the heaviness of our distress, we recognize that God has purpose." Understanding that God's purposes for us include various trials is very important because it's the trial. Watch this, come now. It's in the trial that we are tempered. I did not say have a temper, and you can get delivered from that. Somebody can ask you something without you flying off the handle. Are you approachable? Can I talk to you? Everything don't have to be a crisis. Settle down. Go slow. Take a deep breath. Where you get your mail, where you live, who's the big bad one? Who's the one that always throws a fit? You need to quit that. Through trials, we are tempered not have a temper. Amen. You take just a single bar of iron, that bar of iron, that stock of steel, for illustration's sake, it's worth five dollars. But you take that bar of iron and you give it to a blacksmith and he can make a set of horseshoes. And from that bar of iron are now a set of horseshoes, and now it's worth $25. Or you may take that same bar of iron and send it to a factory, and now it's turned into thousands of needles for sewing machines. And now that bar of iron is worth $3,285. All them sewing needles made from that bar of or you could give that to a watch company and let them make springs for watches, and that five dollar bar of iron is now worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What's the difference? It's the amount of heat and the time that is spent upon the steel. You are of eternal value. Oh, I wish the Lord would help me preach. Through the heaviness of our distress, we have the hope of deliverance. One thing I'm convinced of, the longer I live, that no matter what I face, God is good. Now come, please. Suffering for the Christian will have a glorious ending. And these are the words of Peter. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. I love what that one communist said to that Christian missionary. And that communist soldier had tortured and killed many Christians. But that communist soldier said to that missionary, he said, Christians die well. Receiving the end of your faith. Even the salvation of your souls. We embrace in his faultless purpose. And we entrust his faithful protection. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing. As unto a faithful creator come now god sees the end as well as the beginning if i live to the 13th of this month i'll be 57 you know what for my life i can say he got it right If I check out of here before morning, I want you to put there on that bottom line, he has done all things well. (laughs) He did it just right. (laughs) He don't miss it. He don't make mistakes. Sometimes his letters are too grand and we don't understand and we say, ah, he may have messed up on that one. But in the end, we're going to say his way was right. His way was right. His way was right. And so you're here today. And maybe you're questioning and quibbling and quarreling within yourself. If God meant it for good, why did it hurt so bad? But i tell you one thing, I wouldn't trade anywhere in the world for where I stand today. I stand saved. I stand sure. I stand secure. (laughs) And may I say to you, you're going to make it. I don't do this often. I only do it when I get... A little nudge but I was a mowing grass yesterday and while I was a mowing grass The good Holy Ghost come by, and I had to shut my mower off. And I went in and sat down for a while, and I picked up the phone, and I dialed a number. And I told somebody, oh, the long, 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 long way from here, just as well be the other side of the world. And I said, I was a praying, and the good Holy Ghost said, I saw you happy. Everything's going to be okay. Amen. Well, amen they rejoiced and shouted on the other end of the line somehow for just a moment the veil of tomorrow was opened and God let me see amen, man down the road for somebody and I told him it's going to be alright and I need to tell somebody landmark today it's going to be okay God's got you back everything's going to turn out alright and God's going to make a way for you Stand with me all over the house. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. For you here today that is dealing with some disappointment or turmoil. I want to assure you You're going to get through this. You know the thing that has been such an inspiration to me this morning as I preach this message to all of you is the two people sitting on the back to my right and they have experienced more sorrow than any of you have ever known A.J. and Sheila have buried two children in tragic tragic loss but I have never heard A.J. or Sheila make a complaint and furthermore despite all the hard knocks they're in a wholeness church today so I say hats off to two people that waved and shouted amen to me while I preached this morning God brought them through their hurt he can bring you through yours amen (laughs) well from my heart to yours preacher I don't understand it all you won't ever not on this side not on this side I never will forget I was in Sepulpa, Oklahoma and I never felt so more embarrassed <laughs> for anybody in all the world that I did Kathy, we were sitting at a big table and they were ministers and ministers' wives all around the table and someone innocently asked Kathy right there in front of all these people, are your parents alive? Kathy said, my mother is, but my dad's deceased. And the person unknowingly said, how did he die? I saw Kathy's face red, tears. And she said, he took his life. Oh, it was an awkward moment. And then that difficult moment. (laughs) Does a person in that situation, how do they stand with God? If I live to be 100, I'll always be indebted to Brother Bill Houston. He was sitting there, and he looked to Kathy. He said, Kathy, you don't worry about that, honey. He said, when you get to heaven, it won't matter. Heaven will fix everything. (laughs) And so I need to say to you today, heaven is going to fix everything. (laughs) heads about. Now, Father, take these few words. Take this frail attempt of mine <laughs> and use this, Lord, as a means of strength and help to those that are hurting in this room today. You're here today and you say, Preacher, I'm going to do something I've been needing to do for a while, and that is I'm going to come get on this altar. And for the questions and disappointments that I have in life. I'm just going to come and turn it all over to the Lord and trust Him with it. I want you to come right now. You feel the Lord tugging on you, I want you to step out. There's plenty of room for you men over here on my right few ladies on my left. Brother said, that's what I need to do. I just need to come give it to him. They're singing, the altar's open.